Amber. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you for having me, David. And and so first, tell us a little bit about uh, yourself, who Amber Sellers is, and what your story is. You know, I've lived in, in Kansas my whole life, and as much as I've thought about where I could see myself living um, elsewhere, my mind keeps coming back to Kansas. So I think there's uh, so much to love about about Kansas and and my the arc of my career have, has taken me to several different communities in Kansas and so I think that's why I I see Kansas as just my my heart of home. I'm originally from Wichita and um, oldest of six children. So I don't know if that's a gift or a curse, but yeah, oldest of six. My mom is living and, and loving life and contemplating retirement and, and wanting to spend more time with her grandchildren. All eight of them. Um, my father uh, passed away tragically four years ago, and so having to get solace from that this past year has has been it's been good, but it's also been difficult. So dealing with the the loss of a parent is always hard. So especially during a pandemic and and how the, all of that comes into play. But but yeah, um, from Kansas, from Wichita, five other siblings decided to come to Lawrence, fell in love with the idea of going to KU, the, just the city. Um, you know, I, I grew up in a city, but I felt like Lawrence had a little bit of a city life, but also a little bit of a small town feel that um, I would get from visiting family elsewhere. Uh, you know, I have a lot of family from Oklahoma. And so, you know, going down to like Guthrie, small towns, things of that nature, you know, it, it, that was something that appealed to me. And I felt like I could get the best of both worlds in Lawrence. And so came here and got a bachelor's degree in sports science and, you know, thought I was going to change the world being an athletic trainer. And I was just like, mm. you know, I, I feel like this, this knowledge can be, be done with more broadly. And so talked to a, an advisor about what that could look like. And so, you know, she's like, you know, you can do public health or health education, either programs are good. And so decided to come back, you know, graduated and turned right back around and went into grad school and got my master's in health education because I saw myself being a, a health educator. I wanted to inform communities, more importantly, my community, um, being a woman of color, being a black woman, you know, you hear about all the disparities and it was just at some point, it's like, man, you know, what can I do to, to remove all of these disparities from my, my, my people, you know, we're, we're dying at higher rates of anything and everything. And it's, that can't be, that can't be right. So, you know, I made it my life's mission to, to educate and arm communities with knowledge and resources so that they can lift themselves up. So I just knew that was my calling. And so finished grad school and thought I was going to stay in Lawrence forever. And I couldn't, had to find a job that met the market. And so it took me to Wichita for a couple of years and worked in early care and education with Head Start and was a health educator there. And then went out to Southwest Kansas for about three years and worked for a safety net clinic there again in health education, um, outreach uh, to our communities, uh, specifically in dental health, so in oral health, uh, with um, children and families and worked that program, you know, learned so much about being in Southwest Kansas, went to, Col went to Colorado numerous times, not for reasons at the time that people would think, but it was just because I love the landscape and it was just a beautiful place to be and 
you know, not having that being in such an urban setting for most of one's life, I enjoyed the, the tranquility that came from being around earth. And so, you know, while I was sad to leave, you know, I knew that as far as the trajectory of my life, I couldn't be there forever. And so moved back to Johnson County, moved to Johnson County, not back, moved to Johnson County and worked for a safety net clinic there. And that's when I realized that while I was being, a, you know, I was an educator, what can I do to amplify my my skills and take myself to the next level. And so I wanted to mention public policy. And I did have a mind for researching and examining why do we do the things we do? And is what does it look like to honestly disrupt systems, but to challenge systems that have better policy. And so that's when I decided to go back to school and get a master's in public administration, emphasizing urban administration, urban policy. And uh, did that. and got a job with the state, specifically working for um, Kansas Department of Health and Environment, KDHE, and I've been there since 2019 and saw an opportunity to move closer to work um, because commuting an hour, two hours every day was not in my in my plan. And so decided to get out of my lease and said I would just whatever I can get, first thing I can get in Lawrence, I'll get there and I haven't looked back ever since. Awesome. So, and in, in, as a public health uh, professional and someone who has been tasked with communicating some of these or educating the public about, about public health, what do you find most challenging about communicating with the public about, about public health concerns? Um, I think it's a matter of just, it, it's one's definition, you know, that when we talk about the public good, it's one's responsibility as it reflects the global population. And oftentimes one sees that, oh, I'm having to conform to something. And it's not necessarily conforming. It's how protecting yourself protects others and recognizing that what role you play in the bigger population and in and, and the grand scheme of things. And so oftentimes, and, and, you know, in dealing with, you know, the policy piece of it is how do we, you know, we're outlining the best practice, or to say this is what we believe based on research and what we know to be, be true, you know, that this is the best way to create the greatest benefit for the community. And, and, and I think with public health, you have to understand public policy that it's communal. And oftentimes we, we, we see where, I don't wanna say folks struggle with it, but it's difficult at times to remember that what I'm doing is a benefit to everyone. Like not only is it a benefit to you to wash your hands, it's a benefit to everybody for people to wash their hands because, you know, the world's not that clean, <laughs> you know? So, I mean, there's just things, when you think of it in that perspective, you know, there's other, you know, we get, a, it can be a little bit more complex in other aspects that, you know, I won't go into just because of, you know, one's personal opinion and interest of time. But it's just, it's the matter of by doing this, not only are you protecting yourself, you're protecting others. And that's, you know, specifically, that's what I look at as a, you know, someone that deals in policy. I'm always researching what's out there and how does it align with what we're doing? And is there opportunity for us to make it better? And so, you know, we talk about rules and, you know, laws and, you know, those things are the baseline, you know, policy is where you can really 
take yourself above and beyond. So, you know, a statute gives you the authority. The law gives you the authority to do what it is you need to do. A regulation, which is which is given that authority from the law, is how you describe how you're going to accomplish this. Policy is what we do to take it, what's the standard we're giving ourselves to take it even, to make it even better. And so the idea is that, you know, it was said, and I can't remember if it was um, President Biden or not, I think it was President Biden said, you know, I'm not here to make new laws, I'm just here to raise bad policy. And oftentimes when I look at things, is it a policy? Are we affecting policy? Are we affecting reg? Are we affecting law? And so I think oftentimes when you look at those things from that piece, you're able to understand the where you can make the greatest impact. But that goes to go all the way back to the public health piece. It's just I think for everyone, it's understanding that by we don't do this to make someone conform and to say, oh, you have to do it or else. It's by doing this, not only are you helping yourself, you're helping your fellow. Kansan. So why not, you know, why not? And that that that's that balance and struggle there. But the idea is that we're, we're, we're placing importance on protecting everyone with the idea that you are taking the first step and protecting yourself. So. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, that, that resonates with me in part because, uh, by trade, I'm a philosopher. So, uh, it sounds like what you're saying is that part of your job is making the moral argument as to why, as to why people should care about public health. Morally with, 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 with the science, science is the receipts. So, you know, for those who, who want the receipts that saying, well, this is what the science says, but yeah, it is a moral obligation. I think if you look at the story of, you know, KDHE and um, just Dr. Crombine and you know he was the father of we say child care laws but it was for you know child welfare and hygiene specifically for hygiene and he was the one that sparked the no spitting on sidewalk camp you know the no spitting campaign and how people were spitting on sidewalks and how it was unhygienic and 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 other pieces of that a little bit of moral but it, it also had the science behind why it's not healthy to spit on sidewalks, and even to this day, I don't know. You know, it's understanding what that what that is, and some of us don't have the brain to really get into the minutia of it. But you know, that's germs, and if you're spitting somewhere where somebody can become in contact with it, and there's germs there, that can then produce something else. So it's like, how do you mitigate? How do you eliminate or minimize as much as possible things to come? You know, germs are at this point inevitable, but it's like, what can we do to limit? The spread, and if by limiting the spread, we're asking you to, you know, wet your hands and rub them together for 20 seconds, wash them, and you know, I'm pretty sure that whole process within itself, which is less than a minute, there's a lot of things that could happen, but there's not too much in the grand scheme of things on a daily basis that I'm going to be upset and say, I could have did this if only I didn't wash my hands. That's not going to, I don't think anyone's going to have that, that piece. So yeah, it's the moral aspect of what can this little piece of, can I do and, and what that means, how that reflects on me and how that reflects on my relationship with community. So, so with that in mind, with all this in mind, what brought you to this point of wanting to run for office? Um, I, you know, I, I think it just goes back to, to serving and just understanding where I, you know, I guess I've always had a desire to serve, to serve my community. And I've 
always found opportunities to serve. I think what compelled me to run is recognizing that in myself, that I could take the skills that I have and the voice, use my skills and my voice combined together and elevate it on a platform to, to bring more change, to elevate others' voices. For me, that's wherever there's that opportunity to do that. You know, I, I challenge people to do that, especially for the common good. Um, to say that I've always wanted to run for public office, that's not the case. You know, I've always wanted to be a, a voice um, for change. I don't have to be the voice. I wanted to be a voice for change, whether that's bringing someone over, bringing someone in, or using my voice to to be a pass-through for something else and so, or for someone else. And so, um, you know, we, we know that the pandemic brought on, you know, it, it, it uncovered so much, you know, as a nation, but just in our communities where, you know, it made me realize, you know, we, we do have a lot of work to do. Um, you know, this is my second pass in Lawrence. And I remember some of the concerns and issues um, that I saw as a student living here in Lawrence and then as a graduate student and my time after that, and then to come back and kind of see a, some of those still, some of those same struggles, you know, for me, it's like, okay, what, what's going on here? And, you know, I went about this at first trying to find those voices in the community to say, Hey, you know, we got an election this year, you know, you, you want to run for office? And then, you know, just finding folks like, you know, no, that's not me. I can do this. Or no, I can't do that. Or no, not at all. I would never do that. And so I became a little bit downtrodden. But then someone had, you know, said, you know, why don't you, why don't you want to run yourself? You know, why not run for office yourself? I'm like, yeah, I mean, if I can't find someone to do it because I want to support someone, then, you know, maybe I'll do it. And the thing was, is that, Folks were like, well, you got folks here that want to support you. So why don't you do it? And so, you know, I had to, you know, that was kind of a reflection back on me to know that I'm always wanting to be a service to my community, but here it is that there are people in the community that are wanting to help me be that service to them in this role. So why not take the opportunity to do it? And so, you know, that's kind of the basis for, for why, you know, and the idea that there's so much about me that I feel like I, I, I want to give, I, I want to serve, I want, I want to be able to utilize the knowledge and experiences that I've had to, to, to take Lawrence to the next level. And I, we've got a lot of great people in this community that are wanting to to do that and I think you need that right balance of leadership to make that happen and I feel like I can be one of those I can be one of those folks on the commission to do it one thing I want to sort of uh comment on is is, um you know people hear might hear that response and say that you're reluctant uh, or you started out as re- being reluctant, and but and and, and the but the, what but people should know is that one thing that's often thought is a, as a good sign of a good leader is that they do start uh, as reluctant because they understand the uh, responsibility of having power, they understand the responsibility of being in the leadership role, but 
they come to do it because they, they, you hear a call. It's a calling uh, for you to take, to take on this task of, of serving your community. Very much so. And I mean, there's a lot of things at play and that reluctancy comes from a lot of things. It's being a black woman. Will Lawrence accept a woman of color being in, in leadership? Cause we, we haven't had it. You know, where, where do I play in that? Does that, should that be in play? You know, my lived experience play goes into that. So, you know, and, and the, the adage of, you know, women, just women alone running for elected office often struggle and go back and forth about, you know, can I do it? Can I balance it? You know, I work a state level job and, you know, what does that look like? How do I balance that? Yeah, I don't have kids and no, I don't have a, you know, you know, I don't have a husband. I don't have children. Do people see that as, you know, it, there's just so much that you, that gut comes into play. So like you said, I think that reluctancy is, is a little bit of going through and ensuring that are you ready to take on those those that mixed bag of emotions and 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 understanding the difficult lift. And the thing is that I've been a part of some difficult work. I mean, my my life has been difficult work. So, you know, I, I wouldn't, as I've, I've I've said to others, I would not have agreed to file if I didn't think I I, I could stand up to the test. Like people say, you know, just even agreeing to file is, is, is a big step. And it is. And then you learn as you go through the campaigning and, and the conversations and the questionnaires and the interviews and the meet and greets and the knocking doors and the phone calls, you know, you, you start to see those, that reluctancy that you, and that you had in the back of your mind about whether or not to do this, it starts to come, you know, full circle. You see it, you know, this is why I, I, I almost didn't do it because you got to have thick skin. You know, there's vulnerabilities here. It's humility. It's humbling yourself that people aren't going to like what you have to say. People may not like your platform points. You know, you may see in someone's face that, yeah, you're talking to them and you look good on paper, but you don't look like the person they want to have to lead their community. And that's no indictment on Lawrence as a whole or on people as a whole, but you know, those are the things that I wrestled with, you know, cause this is a very vulnerable, it's a public facing role. You know, I, people are going to see you and people see me now, you know, whether it's at the grocery store or working out or just walking down mass, you know, people are making those connections. So that's a lot of vulnerability to put yourself into it, especially if you have a family. So, you know, I didn't come to this conclusion lightly. I, I had to lean on a lot. Um, but what ended up tipping the scale was that I knew I was at a position in a place to know that I I have more to give. And I and I feel like this was my opportunity to to utilize my skills and my abilities to to elevate work being done here in Lawrence, to take our city. Um, in a, in, a, in a further trajectory or, or maybe a shift, you know, whatever that is. Um, I feel like, I, you know, being a part of that, that mix of five individuals on the dais, I believe that I will, my va- the value will be, will be extraordinary. Well, I think, I think in general, people should be at least, you know, at the, at the first hand, even uh, before considering, you know, what their stances are, be commended for even, uh, having the courage to, to do this and to 
put themselves on put, put themselves and their principles on the line and running for and for running for office. And with that, with that sort of in mind, this next qu- next question is kind of kind of goes back to your comments about uh, about Lawrence and what you loved about it. And um, and so you've you've lived here, I believe, uh, as I've, I've come to see that about 11, 11 years on and on and off. Uh, and that might be, might have given you some time to think about and and maybe recognize about the sort of values that that are most cherished by, by the community. What do you take those, uh, those values to be? And do you think those values are important to, or would be important? Um, and, and how you, uh, conduct yourself as, as a commissioner and how you make decisions. So, So, yeah. Um, like I said, when I, I first visited Lawrence, again, it was that that sense of small town vibe while, you know, being a city. You know, I even though I knew Lawrence was smaller than Wichita, you know, it still felt like it, it could hold its own um, with the city, but it still had that sense of, you know, you, you felt the connectedness. You you felt like people knew each other or had a, had invested in each other. At least that was the perspective I had as a student, and that it was a community that supported one another. Um, you know, I, I told my I remember this. I feel like there's always something to do in Lawrence, even when you're not looking for something to do. You know, it could be something as small as either dropping off items. You know walking down mass, connecting with someone, going in the park and just hanging out, chilling, going shopping, going to the movie, just whatever. There's, there's something to do on the spectrum of how one can choose to entertain itself. Um, and that, you know, at times I, I love the the spirit that Lawrence has that we, you know, when we need to rise to the occasion, we, we do. And, and I, and I love that. And I think oftentimes being from a big city, um, you, you kind of see that, but it felt more personable here. And so, you know, should, you have to keep that in mind as a commissioner. You know, that 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 plays a, a, a part. That that lived experience does have some weight, um, but also recognizing that that's just one, that's just one dimension. And I have to understand as a commissioner that, um, there are others that have a, a lived experience that, that, that has a value that might be a little bit different from mine. Um, and that you have to seek that out. Um, I have to I- engage and that's part of that, the, that different, the lenses that I talk about. It's just, I know that this is what I hope, you know, this is what I believe Lawrence to be but that may not be exactly how others see Lawrence. And I can't take offense to that. That is, again, my lived experience. But others are entitled to what they value about Lawrence or from the perspective that they have seen it. And it has weight, it has value. And I have to recognize that as a commissioner and take myself out of the center of it and and look at it from a different perspective, from, uh, from the observer perspective to listen um, because if I lead with me, I may lead wrong. And, and I, and I don't know anyone that, you know, I don't think that can ever be successful. Um, 
So I, I know that my value, what I value is, is that, and it's just mine alone. And there, there may be shared values that I have with others, but it is not, it carries no more weight than, than any other, what any other person values about this community and to good, bad, or indifferent. And trust me, there are some things that I have, I, I feel that are good, bad, and indifferent about Lawrence. It's, it's not a perfect place. Um, and it's okay to say that. But that's why I say new leadership for a better Lawrence. You know, we can always be better. And let's lead with being better. And on, and on that note, um, what are some ways that you think as, as a commissioner going or someone running for commissioner that Lawrence can be, can be better? You know, definitely. And, and understanding the, the human value of, of a community and what that, that human infrastructure is, um, you know, whether it's, you know, it's, it's health, it's social services. And, you know, we saw that, you know, the value of our social services, our behavioral services, health services, those things that help people thrive, you know, it's, it's bigger than roads and bridges. And I say, you know, and I've always said, you know, there are, you know, that part of infrastructure, yes, that directly, is something that is a direct relationship to the role and responsibility of a city commissioner. Um, the, the human infrastructure piece, maybe not so much, but that doesn't mean they don't play a role. We play a role in making sure that we elevate those community partners and those entities that do that work because we value, we know what value it brings to the other pieces. And so we have to be able to connect those dots. So having that infrastructure, that human infrastructure to support people then we're able to address some of the economic pieces of our community. And so when I say, you know, looking at economics from the, from the workforce lens, that's the people. What do the people need? What did we learn from this pandemic that we know people need? People need livable wage jobs. So what does it look like in our community to have an infrastructure that supports livable wage jobs, whether that's, you know, Peasley Tech, it's work and relationships with our universities here, um, that's one piece. We know the workforce needs childcare. What does that role look like? What role does the city commission, does the city play in having those discussions, leading those discussions, allocating funds for supporting that? Because we know childcare is not only is it access to childcare, but also you know, supporting those that provide that service. We know that draws on the economic piece. You know, people, you can't increase the availability of jobs and, and in a community if that infrastructure is not there. We, we can't recruit more people to be in the community if we don't have the, the supports that the community needs for that, for said population. And before we can even start recruiting businesses to come here, which I know we need it, you know, we got to take care of our people here. And so, and that leads into, you know, addressing our housing concern, our, our, our crisis, you know, almost. And we see it, it's nationwide, it's another pandemic. You know, affordable housing is, is something that we struggle with. It's bigger than homelessness and houselessness. This is a multi-dimensional, multi-complex concern, problem that we have in our, in our community. Because if I can't find a home, but we want to entice businesses to come here, where do these people live? How do we work that balance? Are we really listening to what the community wants? And so, you know, all of these things play a role together. You know, do I have a livable wage job? And if I do, 
does the place I live where I rent, is it so much that I'm income burdened by the enormous amount of money I'm paying for a rent and then I have a child that needs childcare and I either can't find childcare or childcare is so expensive. So then it's another income burden on my, on my bottom line. So then what does that mean for me? What does my family do? You know, and these, and these are very complex thoughts. These are things that people wouldn't put together. People wouldn't put childcare together with economic development or economic development with housing or behavioral health services with economic development but they all connect together and you want to have someone that can make those connections. So, cause you have very, cause that brings healthier conversations and that also helps people see the more bigger systems piece of what's going on at play. So that when we make moves to advance some aspect, we know that there could be some mutual benefit from another piece. So moving the chess piece one way could bring a benefit it could open up another strategy and, you know, in another move. And that's, that's kind of how my brain works. And that's how I see us addressing these issues. When we address one of these three issues in tandem with the other, we're, 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 we're putting ourselves in position to be better than we were before. Yeah. One, one thing that, um, that always sort of confuses me is uh, when because, you know, as you know, currently in, in Congress that there's a uh, infrastructure deal that that is being worked on. And um, and I know that, you know, one side obviously is as a, as a sort of marketing, as a sort of uh, message uh, sort of uh, ploy is is sort of mocking the way that, you know, infrastructure is being redefined. But at yeah, but it's it, it really it doesn't uh, all of that it means all this redefining means is that we're taking seriously that these things are all connected that you can't consider you know what's good for infrastructure what's good for business without also thinking about these other sort of connected very very much connected not just in a very, in a vague sense connected but in a very real and and uh, tangible sense exactly it's it, when when you really map something out. You can't help but make the connection. But also at the same time, I think it speaks to when we talk about systems building, a system in itself is not static. It's dynamic. So everything, if you think about infrastructure in a sense, there's nothing static about it. It's dynamic. It's ever evolving. So to think that, yes, we, we had a definition of infrastructure, but that was a systems definition of infrastructure. We couldn't, you know, maybe the powers that be at that time felt like we're going to make it a static definition, but there's nothing that's ever been static about infrastructure. And we are not the same country we were 50 years ago, let alone 100 years ago, whenever we started identifying things as being infrastructure. So, to, you know, it is, it, it, it is a sense of mockery uh, to, to, to think, oh, you know, Human infrastructure. What is that? I'm like, well, take people out of the workforce, and what do you have? You know, you, you don't need bridges if people don't go to work, and and that's being very light about it. But I mean, again, it's mapping. You know, it's just some of these things that we, when you're trying to attack complex issues, this goes back to mapping, understanding the relationships. Everything is relational in our in our 
in our being and in, in everything that we do. So to try to take the relationship out of it and not saying, oh, there's no connection. And I'm not trying to say go out on a limb and say, oh, this is a stretch human infrastructure. It, it really isn't. It isn't. You're just seeing it from the perspective that you never thought because that wasn't a, a lived experience for you. That wasn't something for you. And when you have individuals making decisions from a, from a position of never having those lived experiences, let alone engaging those and in, engaging individuals who've had those lived experiences, then you can come and say, well, you know, infrastructure is roads and bridges. But there has to be some, some sustainability to it. There has to be a human piece to it. And, and it moves on from there. So, you know, people have jobs. Well, people who have jobs need places to live. People have, who they need places to live and it should be affordable based on what you're paying them. Is what you're paying them on par with what they're doing? And, and, and does it make sense? Does a person, where a person live, how do these things all relate, have a relationship to each other? They're, they're, so it's the connection, it's the relationship. So, yeah, I, 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 I get really excited about it because for me that 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 falls in line of you know my of my my strengths and what and what I love the, the the connectedness and developer in me of understanding you know how do we fill the gap but understanding the relationships and how can we bridge people together that could help solve a problem that you know from my perspective I don't get but it's not for it may not be for me to get it's for me to learn and so understanding you know, from the child care perspective, what, what does that mean? You know, is that education? Is it business entrepreneurship? It's both. And, and, and what are the, who are, who should we be pulling into those spaces to help with child care so that we have that piece in place so that parents can afford to send their children to child care if that's what they choose to do. And that the person who's providing that care is making a wage that they can sustain and so that they can pay for their home while the family that's sending their child to child care is not spending so much that they can afford where they live. It's all relational. And just uh, just to bring out this point more directly, uh, as we wait for the large scale solution to, to be produced, to come to light, what are some of the, the things that, that Lawrence as a city can do you know um i think we're, we're we're doing it you know we i love the work that we do with our affordable um housing advisory committee and uh, the board that we have and how they're identifying the needs in the community and now that we know what those needs are then we can try to map out the resources to make that to how do we fill in the gaps of those resources so like i say homelessness houselessness and affordable housing you know those are all separate beasts and, and you can pull from different resources to make those things happen but you have to recognize that's not a that's not catch-all work you need people dedicated to addressing each one of those and we do the, you're seeing things from you know the county level uh with built to zero to try to zero out as much as possible homelessness and, and even within that piece there's a lot of work going on to identify the needs whether it's with our um, with our shelter, with our homeless outreach teams, or teams with Burt Nash. So you're seeing the work being done. It's now, what can we do to elevate that work? Where, where, where are the gaps at that we can do to 
address that even more. I think with housing, even more, you know, with the trust fund and, you know, being able to do some more, getting that comprehensive reporting and understanding of what the needs for housing in, in Lawrence is. We're getting to that point. You're seeing it on a state level, um, which there's a housing survey out um, to understand the needs of housing in our state and, and, and understanding what that looks like and that, you know, affordable is not low income. And what does that mean? You know, someone like myself that, you know, where I have you know, a good paying job with the state, but I, there, I can't, I can't buy anything here in Lawrence. And I don't want to feel like I have to be relegated to an apartment in my life because that's not, you know, I, I, there's nothing wrong with living in an apartment, but I don't want to live in an apartment for the rest of my life. I'd like to live in a home. I also don't need 2,000 square feet. So what does that mean? You know, is that is that a row house? Is that a duplex? Is that a town home? What, what are we setting ourselves up for as far as economics and bringing in businesses and bringing in more people and wanting to have a community that's embraceable and inclusive of all, what does that look like from the housing piece? So I think all of those pieces are at play. I mean, even with early care and education and the partnership with what the school district is doing with Kennedy School and having the early care center, you know, is there opportunities for the city to get behind that and, pro- and to support that? Because again, that's economic development. So what we're saying as a city is that if we could provide some seed money or some support funds to elevate that, we're investing not only in our youth, our, 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 zero, to, our, our zero to five population, we're also investing in our families in the community to say, we believe this is important because we need to provide space for, to, for children to be educated, to be educated among their peers to get that early care and support that they need that will elevate them from school while also allowing you, you know, so that you, if you choose to, can participate in the workforce and hopefully participate in the workforce at a wage that's livable. This is work being done in the community. It's just, we need that leadership to to help move it a little bit past, you know, move it past implementation and to, I mean, past planning into implementation and start, you know, creating some sustainability strategies. And one of the many things that that's in front of current uh, commissioners is the changing of the election structure. If you were a commissioner on 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 the board right now, and um, and this and you're tasked with with reviewing this proposal and 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 determining whether it's something that Lawrence should do, what do you think is important to to consider? What I think has to be said is that for those who don't understand our form of governance is that we 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 Lawrence is one of two communities that has what's called a, a manager commission style where you could see the city manager serving as the CEO of the city and then your commissioners including the mayor serve as kind of the board and your mayor is the board chair and so the idea is that the CEO brings to the commission, i.e. the board, recommendations of, of things to move forward. And, and while it, you know, we give the approval of it, you know, there's something to be said about our input and, and how, what our input brings, which hopefully we should be bringing from not only our content or maybe subject matter uh, knowledge, but also from the feedback we get from others. 
to make those decisions. In re with the possibility of reimagining a different form of government, what that could look like, whether it's you know a the idea of a um, separate uh, if a mayor is elected separately uh, in its own separate nonpartisan race. Um, I think you have to look at just what role does representative governance bring or what does that mean to you? Um, you know, we, this year we, we've had over nine people file to run for city commission. Um, four or more, you know, almost half of those who are running are, 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 are BIPOC individuals. And one could say, you know, hey, you know, this works. You know, it's, you know, look, look what we did this year. But at the same time, I think you have to look at it and say, look what we did this year. And and under these, you know, I say under these, but it happened because of the layout we have, the form of government we have, that's just what we have. So folks standing up and, and deciding to run is is not a reflection of saying what we have is, is great. Um, I'm not saying it's horrible either, but you know, people rose to the occasion because they felt like they needed to. Um, and so whether or not, you know, but it's still in the same aspect of parameters of, of how we are governed. You are, you're speaking to everyone. Um, and this is, it's not tough. It's just, I think so many people say, well, you know, this allows you to get out there and see and see everyone which I can see the, va the value in that. Um, but I think it also struggles with, the, there's a struggle there with representation and accountability. Um, even if I represent a district, I'm still accountable to everyone in the community. You know, just because you have, you know, if I'm elected to as a state rep or a Senator, yes, I represent that district but my votes and my decisions impact everyone in the state of Kansas. So I don't know, you know, I, I don't want to say that, you know, uh, you know, that districts are good or bad. I think it's just a matter of how do you look at it from the perspective of representative governance and do you, does that, are, does the current system we have, is it equitable? and how folks are able to run. Because um, even within this, I think there's a strategy piece. There's so much that goes into play about whether or not when you choose to run, your strategy and how you run. And ensuring that you are hearing the voices of the different unique areas of Lawrence, because there are uniquenesses. Um, and ensuring that those voices are being heard and so, you know, I don't think having districts takes away from that. I think at large, it almost seems a little bit overwhelming and you may not feel like you've done your best. Um, you may feel like you're, you see yourself leaning on engaging certain areas and not others because you're flipping a coin to that, that sense. You know, there's something to be said about a district or hybrid based type of system that is going to elevate people running. In addition to having a mayor that is elected outside of those who are elected, you know, an at-large 
race for a mayor outside of that race of the commission. Because then you really get to see, you know, who, who not who wants the role, but there's something to be said about being the mayor and to know that the current system we have is, I don't think people really know that it's, you know, by who it is, it is voted on, um, but it's voted on by the commission. And I just feel like that, that should be, that should be the will of the people. And if you're going to have a commission, I think you have a commission, um, the, you know, I get the point of having a chair and the mayor serving as the chair, but I don't know if that really speaks to the voice of the people. And I could see why the commission wants to, you know, get input. I would want us to have input from the community as well. Um, but I'm not too, I'm not completely sold on one or the other, but I, I think people need to really examine what they see the role of a city commissioner and that by default, your decisions are going to impact the community as a whole. Um, but at the same time, you know, growing up in communities where you had a, a council person, that was your district, you know, I could see my parents go to their council person and take their questions and concerns to their council person because that was that person that they were accountable to. And I, I, that builds, a, again, that builds another relationship uh, uh, with people. And I, and, and I think, unfortunately, I'm not saying it happens, but th there could be by default a little bit of kicking the can or passing the buck if you say, oh, I'm here, I, I, I run to represent everyone. You, you're gonna run to represent everyone anyway. But it's nice to say that I'm here to bring the voice of this community and, and the, or this community. I don't think it's a turf, uh, it's not a matter of turf wars. It's just saying that I'm here to represent this voice and we are bringing these voices together. With a hybrid system, you get a little bit of the both of both, you know, you get, a, you get the best of both worlds, in my opinion, on how I see it. But it's a, you know, it's, it's how do you see yourself being represented? How do you see your values being represented? And, one, I think, you know, from a strategic standpoint, you may see more people run because of it. There's so much opportunity that could come in it that it's just a matter of, I, I, I want to hear more about what people see. And this has always been something that's been discussed. I remember this, hearing about murmurs of this when I was in grad school um, about form of government and, and what it means. And so, um, Yeah, it's just, it's hard to answer without giving my answer because I just feel like there's so much, it's, it's an opportunity, again, to see, you know, to imagine the possibility of Lawrence. Like, you know, what could a, what could a commission race look like if we had so many different races? I think it might be a little bit of campaign overload, but... But at the same time, just imagine the voices that could rise from just from that. You know, how many people are because of the current form that we have, it limits one's ability to even dream of, of running for city commission. Because this is no, you know, 
that piece shouldn't play a role in the conversation, but it does. This, this isn't easy work. You know, you have eight people engaging a community of 100,000 to help get their voice across. And, you know, that, that, that's a lift within itself. And so, you know, again, adding to the complexities of it all, you know, it's, it's truly understanding. Do you truly believe that the current system truly represents your voice? And, and do we feel like it represents the nuances of the different communities within Lawrence? And one could argue it does, while others argue it, it doesn't. And, you know, I, I'd like to hear what people have to say. The task force provided us with recommendations. But I, you know, I'd like to hear some of, I'd like to hear voices from the community and not always, and, and but some of the voices that we haven't heard, not just voices that we know have been heard, but some of the voices that we haven't heard from and what their thoughts are. And, and, and one, do they even understand our form of government? Because a lot of folks, they say, they're saying one thing, not understanding truly what that means. And again, they may not know. So I don't know. This. Let's just say, <laughs> take it to a vote, put it on the ballot, let the people have their say. I know what my say would be, but representation truly does matter. And how, how that's represented plays an important part into it as well. Yeah, and, and, and I think as your, as your response should, uh, hopefully people get from your response is that this is a complicated or a complex issue that maybe deserves some greater thought and, and, and look and research by, by anyone in our community, not just, not just those in uh, leadership roles or anything like that. Cause we, this is something that we want everybody to have a say in. Well, Amber, just uh, before uh, one final question, before I let you go officially is if you wanted voters to take away anything from this conversation, hopefully they take, take away a great deal. Um, but if you wanted to, to, yeah, just to give you your, your sort of final say, what do you wish uh, or what do you hope that voters take away from our conversation? I hope they take away just one, having learned a little bit more about me, but just that they could hear in my voice and, and in my answers that, you know, um, I, I truly have a desire to to be of service to my community. And while I've, I've been of service and I have I've had the opportunity to to reflect that in different ways that, you know, to know that I don't take the task of being city city commissioner lightly, but that I I have spent my life understanding the the complexities and the nuances of of, of governance, but also accountability to one's community and that in this role in this in this journey that I see myself if, if elected a city commissioner, you know, being someone that's for the people and, and, and unapologetically for the people. And that what whatever you know I do that is going to be led with with the people first. And that I'm going to as much as I see myself being accountable to the community, I, you know, I'm going to lean on the community to, 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 to balance me in that, in that as well. So when I lean on them for questions and, and that they know that that's a two-way, a two-way 
relationship and that I'm here to, to build stronger, better relationships with, with our, within our city, but also through our, our city leadership so that we can see that this work can't be done without each other and that I, I, I can lead, but if I'm not leading with the community in mind, then that's not, that, that's not leading. And at the same time, I want the community to know that they play just as much as an important role and, and how this work thrives and that they play a part in it. And that's, and that I'm here to ensure that they play that role. So I, I am people first in everything I do because it's about the relationships and you can't build too much. You know, there's not too much success that can happen without relationships. And understanding that, that that's who I am at the core and that I am a person of, of serving the people and, 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 and being of service to the people. And so that, that's me. With a little bit of humor. Well, Amber, thank you for uh, being on the hot seat today and, and joining me to uh, discuss your campaign and reflecting on, on what the task of city commission would mean or being on the commission would mean if you were to be elected. Thank you, sir. I, I appreciate it. <laughs>